Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, the seasons are changing, but yet the seasons are staying the same. You might ask, yeah. why, why do we say that? Well, you know, last week we had talked about the tropics uh, kind of being quiet, and we made a little friendly wager. I was saying that there would be more than two named storms to come. And you were on the lesser side of that, which, uh, listen, given the forecast from last week, that was very understandable. <laughs> However, we will get into that in a minute, but when we talk about seasons changing, we had the big snowstorm that moved through the upper Midwest, right, you know, into North Dakota, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, all that fun stuff, stuff that usually happens this time of year anyways, but right. Bonnie, you had that so-called quote-unquote cold front come blasting through Oklahoma City this week, uh, made for some great radar images, made for some great memes, um, I think it caught some by the weather community a little surprised, actually. A little bit, and it was it was pretty drastic. It wasn't just oh, here's it's a little chilly. Like it was a very sharp, quick change in temperature, and we went from upper seventies, almost eighty, one day, and then the next day, boom, fifties, and we even had a couple of frosts. And this is one of our earlier frosts. Typically, our first frost or freeze is November 4th. And the first one we had was yesterday. So we're about a month ahead of schedule. Well, that's pretty impressive. Uh, We had talked on the show a couple weeks ago that we were under our first frost and freeze warnings out here in the Pacific Northwest with that modified Arctic air that came through that, you know, by the time it it reached here, it was not Arctic by any stretch of the imaginations. It was just the remnant of really cold air. And so, you know, temperatures got down to about freezing or maybe just underneath freezing. But, man, the temperatures are changing. The seasons are changing. But it was so cool to see that cold front come blasting through, like we said. The memes were great. Um, If you haven't seen, just literally go on Twitter and type in cold front memes. And you will pick up a bunch of the stuff that people were talking about this week. They're pretty good. And the cold front, I I loved it. It felt like fall. We warmed back up today. We're like 75 right now. It's kind of annoying. But, yeah, it was was a pretty good, pretty good cold front. I've got some good, good gifs on my Twitter page as well showing that cold front that spread across basically the whole country. Yeah, which is fantastic. I love, you know, we have a lot of friends that are in the Denver area, um, up around like Colorado Springs, in Boulder, that type of, uh, that that area just on the, you know, the eastern side of the Rockies. And I feel for these guys because they seem to get hit harder than most people, where one day it's 75 and the next day it's 20 degrees and they get three feet of snow. (laughs) Which if, yeah. which, which, if you're a weather nerd, it's fantastic. Like, the meteorology around that is awesome. But I just, I feel for them because they're like, how, how do you plan for that? You really don't. Yeah, you don't. And, like, and we're the same here. You know how there's a lot of places who, you know, in some states and whatever, you put away your winter clothes when the summer comes out and then when the winter right. starts, you put away your summer clothes. We don't do that. We just keep all of them out all year round because you just don't know. That's true. It is totally true. And so, you know, just watching those guys react to, 
you know, the incoming cold front, the incoming cold air, uh, the first snowfall of the season, albeit pretty minor, was pretty hilarious to watch. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just sitting there laughing. I was like, I, I feel for you. My heart goes out to you because there's no way to plan for that. No, there's not. There's not. Like, it's, it's the same here. I mean, we didn't get to snow, but when one day, like you said, it's sunny and 70s near 80, and then the next day it's frigid or snowing, you're like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> right. And, I, and I, again, I think, you know, geography totally has a lot to do with this. Um, you know, out here yeah. in the Pacific Northwest, it's really rare for us to have, say, a 50-degree swing in temperature to go, say, from 80s to the thir- 80s to the, you know, 30s or, you know, 70s into the 20s, which, again, it, it's still pretty rare across the board, but it just doesn't happen like that here in the Pacific Northwest. The ocean keeps the air pretty moderated, uh, and then once you do get the Arctic air, it's still by the time it reaches, you know, the major metropolitan areas, Portland, Seattle, Eugene, um, you know, it takes a lot of energy to kind of warm that atmosphere up, and so that cold air doesn't necessarily make it all the way here, but... Man, I am. That's one thing I am jealous of. I would love to see the temperature extreme swings because I think that would be fantastic. It is. It, it and sometimes it takes you know a day or so, and then sometimes it takes a couple hours for a major difference to be felt. Right. And of course, the winds picked up. Clear blue sky. No, nothing really happened. Um, a few storms got sparked far, far east, like in far eastern Oklahoma and Arkansas, but we didn't get any storms as that cold front came through. And I don't know if it's because it came through too fast or if it was too early in the day. And so there wasn't enough instability in the warm sector to start anything up. I'm not really sure why nothing really happened, but it was it was really good. The only thing I don't like about sharp weather changes like that is that it always it makes everyone get sick. Like, you know, you just your, sure. your allergies mess up. And that's so everyone around here has been dealing with little bit of a head cold situation just from that sharp weather change oh, no, no absolutely no doubt about it um the oklahoma mesonet twitter account if you do not follow them you need to um one just because they put out cool graphics but two they're on top of stuff when it comes to weather changes i know that you had retweeted it and we did on the weather podcast uh twitter page they're like oh check it out it's three seasons in oklahoma you had winter in the panhandle you had spring slash fall in the middle of the state and you were still in summer down in the southeast corner and just to see the temperature range and i mean again the state of oklahoma is not that big right no and it's over maybe a 200 mile difference from the panhandle down to the southeast corner but to have these like 70 degree temperature swings you know it's 20 degrees in the panhandle and you know over 93 yeah 93 down you know near um the you know texas arkansas oklahoma border that's pretty impressive yeah oh yeah and that just shows you how strong that cold front was oh absolutely that that it just and if you saw it you know you could see that sharp line in cold and warm air and it wasn't a gradual anything it was like a very sharp distinct line between the cold and the warm air i thought it was fascinating to see on radar Right. And all the maps. Oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. And again, you know, we, we love it. We love seeing that. We love the storms that fired up from it. But it's it's just cool to put the practical meteorology side into it. We're like, okay, we understand. This is where you actually get to see what happens when you have such a sharp, drastic cold front come through. You know, you're it's literally mixing out the atmosphere. And downstream of it, it seems fine. Back behind it, cold, you know, dreary. Could be still sunny, but pretty windy. 
very cold yeah. temperatures. It was a, uh, it was cool to see. There was no doubt about it. And and it was nice. And it was a nice, cool, crisp breeze and and no humidity. It was just nice. It was a complete opposite of what we've been dealing with for months. So I really enjoyed it. Right. You know, it's funny. Yesterday, uh, we're taping this on Sunday afternoon. Yesterday was the Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it. The battle for Texas and Oklahoma played every year in Dallas at the Texas State Fair and the Cotton Bowl. And I mean, listen, there have been years where you tune into this game and they're like, it's 95 degrees and you're like, it's October. Yeah, but you know, it's it's Dallas, right? Well, yesterday that cold front had moved through and they're like, it's a perfect day for football. It's 57 degrees. And I'm like, that's downright cold. Yeah. It's cold. And that's the deal, though. It, it's different every year. Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes it's yep. cold. Sometimes it's raining. Sometimes it's snowing. And it happens the same time every single year. So it's just crazy. That just shows you how this part of the country, the weather is not actually predictable. Like, <laughs> right. it's hard to predict the weather around here. Yeah, I mean, you guys probably use climate more than anybody in terms of just, okay, at least we can establish what a base average is. Right. You know, for this time of year. And yeah, okay, yeah, day-to-day, you know, forecasting, we have a pretty good lock on it. But you just, you don't know. I mean, you know, the cold front was forecast to maybe come through a couple hours earlier or later. Or, you know, all of a sudden it's just like, you know, it's just, it's hard to kind of, you know, forecast for immediate changes like that. But, um, yeah. good game, Oklahoma won. Sorry, Texas. Um, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, right. Um, and, I, and as you brought out before we started uh, taping, I love the fact that both teams got flagged in pregame warm-up with a personal foul. So if anybody from any team did something, they would automatically be ejected from the game. It, I, it's it's kind of sad. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really know what happened. I don't know what, what was said or if it was the horns down, which I don't know why all of a sudden that's a problem. We've well, only been doing that for the past, like, 700 years, but whatever. But... I mean, like, come on, this is a huge rivalry. Can we not have a little trash talk? I mean, within reason, like, do we have to, like, squash the fun? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a combination of what happened yesterday was just players jawing at each other and pushing and shoving before the match even took place, which, again, I get, as you said, it's a rivalry. It's what happens. Um, yeah, they're squashing the horns down thing. They They say it's, you know, something that is used to incite anger and everything else, and I'm just like, okay, you know... Sorry. I'm sorry that Oklahoma doesn't have a cool hand signal, okay? My college where I went, the University of Oregon, we make the O with our hands. Texas does the Longhorns. Oklahoma wants to squash it and do the horns down. It's not a big deal. Right. And, and it's that, just if, the horns down. It's not like a middle finger. It's not like exactly. anything like that. It's just the horns down. And, I mean, I, it's disrespectful I kind of think that people are just... Saying. Yeah, and I get that kind of, I don't know, I think people are just being sensitive and trying to find a reason to complain. Like, this is a big rivalry. This is a huge college rivalry. I think, to me, it's even bigger than OU-OSU. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. And so, come on, like, let's, this is a huge, we all afford to this. People move events to make way for this like i had someone i had a friend who was going to schedule a wedding in october and she purposely had to move it because her husband was like no that's OU texas weekend we can't get married on that weekend yeah exactly and so it's like this is huge this is another holiday in oklahoma and in texas so come on the horns down everybody calm down yeah well they can because like you said everybody wants a reason to complain and you know bitch about something and that's what it's going to be so 
Well, I'm still going to do the horns down. Well, you're allowed to. You went to the University of Oklahoma. Exactly. So. Exactly. And it's a free country. Yeah, exactly. You can do whatever we want, right? Well, for the most Boom. part. Within reason. Yeah, yeah. Within reason. But hey, Bedlam, again, like you said, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, big rivalry. However, I think Texas, Oklahoma, the rivalry is bigger. And guess what? We're, you know what? You're going to end up probably having to play Texas again in the Big 12 championship. So we get to just do it all over again. <laughs> and we love it. And yes. I mean, it is a huge, we, people plan for a year in advance to go down to OU Texas. Absolutely. I'm, I've never even been. I'll tell you that right now. Maybe I'm not a true OU fan. I've never been, but I'm going to go. It's on my if, bucket list. Yeah, for sure. Plus the fair down there is going at the same time. So it's really, it's really good. And honestly, Dallas is a three hour drive from here. Like it's not even a huge deal at all. Exactly. You know, what's funny is I could take off from Portland and fly to Dallas in the exact amount of time it would take you to drive from more to, to Dallas. <laughs> Isn't that annoying? <laughs> yeah, it is more for you than me, but you know, it's all good. But I can get there on less than a full tank of gas. That is true. And, you know, it's going to cost me anywhere between 170 and $600. So Yeah, exactly. So it, it balances out in the end. Yeah. Just make sure you pick me up at DFW and not um, Love Field. <laughs> right. Which has happened before. Well, I don't know why there needs to be two major airports in Dallas, and I don't know why... Everything needs to go in and out of Dallas. <laughs> eh, well, Dallas is just a bigger city. I guess. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we had talked about last week, uh, and we mentioned it in the start of the show, but the tropic season last week appeared to be somewhat dead. Well, guess yep. what? Bonnie, it's still alive and kicking. Okay, but let's be fair. This is not the tropics. This is the subtropics. This is a subtropical storm is what we're going to talk about, which... All of a sudden, Tropical Storm Melissa formed this week, and lo and behold, our second basic storm of the year, uh, <laughs> just out there doing its own thing, and she's out there just happy as can be, not affecting anything but maritime you know, traffic. She did give some high waves and some wind to New England, uh, down toward uh, New York City, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., um, parts of Maryland, but... Yeah, Melissa's just out there doing her own thing. She's out there swirling. Uh, last updated information we had, sustained winds 45 miles an hour. She's moving east-northeast at 17 miles an hour, so she's picking up some forward speed central pressure up to 1,001 millibars. No coastal tropical cyclone watches or warnings in effect. Um, she's literally just going to sit there and churn. Tropical storm force winds extend out 40, uh, 60 miles from the center and... Um, minor to moderate coastal flooding will occur along some portions of the U.S. Mid-Atlantic and southeastern coast today around times of high tide. Swells generated by Melissa are affecting much of the U.S. East Coast, portions of the Bahamas, Bermuda, and Atlantic Canada. These swells will result in life-threatening surf and rip currents. Please consult your local weather office for more information. But Melissa's out there. She is going to, over the next couple days, um, weaken into a depression as she moves out into the central Atlantic, where she will, like I said, just affect some shipping traffic. But, Bonnie, I am one storm away from $10, so <laughs> please make sure you have that Cash App or Venmo up and ready to go. But the National Weather Service this morning has said that they are watching three areas for possible formation. 
That is crazy. And it's literally overnight. And can I just point out that how long did it take us to get from the beginning of hurricane season to Hurricane Dorian, a D storm, the fourth named storm of the season? How long did it take us to get to Dorian? And then from D to M, it's taken the blink of an eye, it feels like. It feels like Dorian just happened. Right. So Dorian came alive August 24th is the first forecast advisory that was issued. So, um, you know, the the hurricane season starts, what, July 1st? Yeah. Yeah, so July, August, so almost two months. To get four storms, and then in the last month and a half, we've moved from D to M right. like that. Right. Well, and you got to remember, subtropical storm Andrea came, you know, came into existence over the period of two days. Monday, May 20th, it started. That's true. That is true. So I guess technically before hurricane season right. started. And then, so there was a little extra time. Yep. Hurricane Barry was around for a couple days, less than four days, four or five days, uh, July 10th. And then, you know, it kind of got quiet where we didn't see anything until July 22nd when we had Tropical Depression 3. And then Tropical Storm Chantel didn't form until August 20th. So, I mean, we had some storms, but it took a while to get there, and most of it was after August. So, you know, but as you said, it just exploded. And so when Dorian, Aaron, Fernand, Gabriel, Umberto, Jerry, Melda, Karen, uh, Lorenzo, and Melissa. And then next up on the list, let me look here. Do, 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 do. Uh, where is it? Where is it? I really want to say Nico for some reason, and I just yeah. don't think that's it. Uh, ding, ding, ding. You are correct. It is not Nico. It is Nestor. Oh. Nestor. <laughs> and then Olga, Pablo, and Rebecca. So those oh, would be the I really want to get to Olga. That's nice. Right. Olga's such a pretty great name. Well, and like... You know, it's October. Oktoberfest is going on around everywhere. And right? so I just feel like Olga, that would be really good. It would be. Right? Is Olga German? <clears throat> I believe so. Excuse me. Um, but let's talk about these areas that they're looking at. So the first big one that they're talking about is a way that's just coming off of Africa right now. They're saying it's a well-defined low-pressure system. Um, it's a vigorous wave. It's beginning to show signs of organization, and conditions are expected to be conducive for development of a tropical depression during the next few days while the disturbance moves west-northwest uh, and then northwestward over or just east of the Cabo, uh, Cabo Verde Islands. Strong upper-level winds should prevent any significant development by midweek. Interest in and around the Cabo Verde Islands should monitor the progress of the system. Formation chance in the next 48 hours, medium at 50%. However, formation chances through five days are high at 70%. Wow. So that's the first wave that's just coming off Africa. The second one um, is over Mexico right now. Uh, Just, let's see, where is it? Uh, It's over the southwestern Caribbean Sea, Gulf of Honduras. Um, Need to be watching this. Formation in this area is low, 10%. Formation chance through five days is low at 20%. Um, and this area, let's see here, is moving. Uh, we'll inhibit trouble as it comes ashore, basically. So they're watching that. And then the third area is a tropical wave over the central Atlantic. 
is producing disorganized thunderstorm activity and strong gusty winds to near gale force in the northern uh, portions of this wave. Upper level winds are expected to be only marginal and conducive for development to occur during the next few days while the system moves westward at around 15 miles an hour. By late Wednesday, as the disturbance approaches the Lesser Antilles, upper-level winds are forecast to become quite hostile for any significant wow. development to occur. Formation chances through 48 hours are low at 10%, uh, 10%, and then formation chances through five days are even lower at 20%. So uh, a wave that's just kind of churning out there, so they'll keep an eye on that. But if uh, winds are going to be hostile to development, chances are it's not going to... Uh, not going to form, but we need to watch it because we've had forecasts like that before and storms rapidly intensify and uh, form into a hurricane. So we will watch. Yeah, because the environment and the atmosphere changes in every yep. section of it. So you never know what it might encounter that that gives it what it needs. But I feel like a lot of those the storms this season have formed in the Gulf of Mexico. And I don't know, that just seems like an unusually high number to me. Or is that pretty common? But it feels like a lot have just popped up in the Gulf. Yeah, I think there have been, you know, a couple, especially the ones that were, you know, maybe we were quick to name just because we understood that they are going to have a huge impact. Um, you know, obviously, and I think we look at Michael last year as a storm that, you know, was pretty, was pretty non- you know, non a big well. Let's let's put it this way: wind forecast. We think it wouldn't was not going to be a big deal, and then all of a sudden, you know, it comes ashore as a Category Five, and you know, wipes out a lot of the the Florida uh, Panhandle. But um, yeah, I'd have to go back and talk to the guys at National Hurricane Center and say, hey, you know, formation in the Gulf this time of year, you know, is pretty is you know is common, and I don't know if it's rare or above average, but you know, they they'd have that information for sure. Yeah, because it just seems like, because I know it's possible. I mean, obviously it's happened multiple times, but it just seems like this season particularly, quite a few have just kind of popped up right there in the Gulf. So, you know, just maybe I'm just kind of imagining that, but it just seems kind of like a lot. So Right. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the climatology. I pulled up some of the climatology maps by average for the month of October, and they have more likely areas of development in, say, the you know, the east, I'd say the western side of the Caribbean, so between the Gulf of Honduras and Cuba, into the Gulf of Mexico, up over the Florida Panhandle, and then off the east coast. But once we get out out of October, I mean, it really dies off. So this is the time that we're going to be watching four storms to form, and if they're going to form, they're going to be, you know, pretty much this month, and that's it, so... Well, so, I mean, here we go. Just got a little bit left. I guess there's still time for you to get your other name storm and get your $10. Yep, we got one more to go. <laughs> so when that comes ashore, you know how to get a hold of me. Um, <laughs> I will say this. Um, I'm looking at this interesting um, graphic that the National Hurricane Center has on their on their website, and it's landfalling hurricanes in the continental United States. Okay, there has not been a landfalling hurricane in the state of Florida from basically where the panhandle comes down into the boot. Mm-hmm. And the last one was Ermine in 2016 and then Hurricane Easy in 1950. There's a nice little stretch. Kind of, I would say, you know, the the west or the east side of the bay you don't get a lot of landfalling hurricanes. You get some, but not a lot. I mean, Irma was a big deal. Charlie was a big deal. Gladys was a big deal. Obviously, a lot of storms, you know, on the on the downward side of the boot. But you don't have a lot. 
that have come ashore. Um, you've had one storm, 1964 Dora, that came ashore on the eastern side of the of the boot in Florida. But there's not a whole lot. I mean, you've had one coastal storm come through into Georgia, and then nothing until you get basically down to Cape Canaveral. So there's a big area. There have been one storm in that area. And then, of course, you've had a bunch in you know, South Carolina, a bunch in North Carolina. But some just interesting areas of where storms have and have not come ashore. So, Yeah, I feel like Florida hasn't really gotten a direct hit this season either, for sure. Right. Uh, let's see. Did Florida get one this year? I think it did, but I'd have to go back and look. I know that we flirted with it a couple was- times. Yeah, yeah, like with Dorian for sure. That was the big thing, was watching yeah. Dorian. Right. Here's a trivia question for you. Off the top of your head, how many Cat 5s have directly hit Florida? Nine. Two. Oh, wow. <laughs> Michael last year, and then Andrew. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Well, Florida, you dodged a lot of bullets. Right. How many Cat 5s have hit Texas? Nine. <laughs> None. Oh, no. uh What was Harvey? Harvey was not a Cat 5 in, at landfall. Harvey was... Let me look. Harvey was a Cat 4 at landfall. Wow. Yep. I remember watching Harvey like, approach the coast, and it took forever for the eye to make landfall, and it seemed to just get stronger and stronger, and people are still recovering from Harvey right. two years later. Uh, how many Cat 5s have hit Louisiana? Two. Yes. Do you know them? Uh, no, but I know Katrina's not one. No, Katrina was that. not. Katrina was like a Cat 3. Uh, yeah. It was actually, it's a trick question. And um, okay. <laughs> it's it, it's one. It was Hurricane Camille. Came ashore twice as a Cat 5. Okay, that's annoying. Camille right. is annoying. <laughs> right. Um, so by my count, there have only been four or five Cat 5s that have come ashore in the U.S. Wow. Right. Which is crazy, and it's crazy that Florida hasn't gotten hit more because Florida's like, boom, right out there, right in the big middle of everything. Right. And you would just think that it would just be hurricane after hurricane blowing across the peninsula. It's just crazy. How many hurricanes have come ashore in Maine? Oh, I don't know. Like two? Three. Nice nice guess, though. Yeah. How many hurricanes have come ashore on Long Island? One. Four. Oh. Carol, Donna, Gloria, and Belle. Sandy, what about Sandy? Sandy came ashore in New Jersey. Oh. New Jersey. New Jersey. Yep. Do you know where Hurricane Bonnie came ashore in 1998? No. Take a guess. Um, Florida. North Carolina. Same place that she did like two years ago or last year. Yes. I was going to say that, and I was like, no, that's too easy. Man, <laughs> always go with your gut. Uh, Hurricane Katrina came ashore first where? Texas. No, Florida. Really? Katrina came across the panhandle and then into the Gulf, just like Andrew did. Well, wow. Yeah. I love hurricane trivia. Me too. It's fun times. 
<laughs> Me too. Last one for you, just because I'm having way too much fun with this. <laughs> we talk about basic storms. Oh, my God. And you can't have any more basic than a named storm named Babe. Where did Hurricane Babe come ashore? South Carolina. Oh, so close. Louisiana. (laughs) So close. So close. So close. (laughs) Dang it. True or false? A hurricane has come ashore in the state of Massachusetts. True. Yes. You want to take a stab at the year and or name? Mm, 1999, and I don't know the name. Okay. 1954, it was Edna. Oh, Edna, that's nice. Right. Uh, One of the Bobs, one of Hurricane Bobs, came ashore on the border of uh, of Rhode Island and Connecticut. Wow. Yes. That is just crazy, because when you think hurricane, you just really don't think New England. You really don't. You don't. So that's just awesome that it has actually, I mean, it's not awesome that it's hit New England. It's just crazy. Right. But it happens. I mean, any, yeah. anywhere on the East Coast is susceptible. That is for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll be fair to be honest, you know, Oklahoma has been hit too. But of course, it's not a hurricane once it gets to us. But I mean, we've, we've had some remnants come up this direction and give us some good rain bill. Oh, yeah. That was like three or four years ago. I think it was bill. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, let's see here. How many storms have directly impacted Hawaii? Oh, I'm going to say 11. No. By my count, by my count, according to this map here, three. Oh. (laughs) Diana in 72, Aniki in 81, Dot in 59. And the no-name storm of 1958. Didn't they get hit last year by something? Yeah, they had a tropical storm. Uh, it was close. Was it? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. Um, but they, I mean, it does. They do pass in that area. I mean, if you look at the yeah. 200 year, 200 mile, uh, you know, radius of the islands, there are a lot there, and there are some major storms. So that's pretty impressive to me. So. Yeah. But there's Hawaii for you. Um, yeah. So when we go back and we look at the Atlantic in terms of overall season, we're definitely on the downhill slide now, but um, still got to watch it. Well, and right now, I mean, we're really making our way through the alphabet. We possibly have an N-O-N-P. Right. Probably not, let's be real. But it's possible that we get all three of those. So we're really just blowing through this alphabet right now. Right. And you know what that spells? Nope. M-O-N-E-Y. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. You are welcome. We'll just welcome. see. Yeah, we will. We will. So, I mean, the only way that you win this bet is if we don't get a name storm. So, if they name any storm between now and whenever they name a storm, you, you're currently winning. But I'm just saying my odds are looking, you know, generously better as of this morning. So... Yeah, yeah, I'm letting you win, okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. If you say so. But, you know, just, again, we just continue to watch the tropics. They're busy. It's active. And so, hey, you know, the season's not over just yet. We still have about three weeks to go. Well, we'll see. 
We'll see if you get your name storm. I bet that you will. It's really annoying. I'll set aside ten dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> you can buy me. You can buy me lunch from twelve hundred miles away. Okay, I'll do that. I will do that. I'll Uber eats you some food. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I have a Chipotle in the neighborhood now, so that I'm happy about. Qdoba's better, but whatever. I'm no, pretty no, sure we'd I, have this debate. No, I'm 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 totally with you. I love Qdoba. I just don't have one in the neighborhood. Oh well, I'll send you some. We have Qdoba. Perfect. <laughs> but spe- I'll send it on the red eye. Yeah, please do. Speaking of twelve hundred miles away, what do you guys have coming up forecast wise? Um, you know, nothing much. Just lower seventies, no rain chances. Cooler in the evenings, a little warm, spring-like, you know, lower 70s, upper 60s in the afternoon. Nothing big going on yet. I'm sure there'll be a cold front that comes through here, though, eventually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, fair enough. Well, out here in the Pacific Northwest, beautiful day. It's mostly sunny out there. Temperatures are going to top out probably in the lower 60s, which is nice. Um, We look at, you know, like kind of some morning fog showing up here and there. Nothing too big, but our change are going to come in Tuesday and Wednesday when we have a pretty strong cold front come through. They're forecasting anywhere in the Portland area from a half an inch up to two inches of rain over a four to five day period. So wow. it's going to be breezy. It's going to be windy. It's going to be wet. So all of the fun stuff of a Pacific Northwest incoming cold front cannot wait. Um, yeah, you know it's bad when the chance of precip hit starts at 60% and then sits at 100% for several days. Yeah, y'all are so lucky. We haven't really had much rain here lately. I want some more. Well, we'll send you a soaking if that would work for you. Yep, that would be great. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So generous. You can send me the, I'll send you the rain. You can send me the Qdoba. There you go. It'll be a fair trade. I believe it will be a fair trade, yes. (laughs) But yeah, so we're looking forward to the rain. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And then kind of going forward from that point. You know, if I go back and I, like, you know, initialize the forecast, say at midnight at 12 a.m. or midnight at uh, on Wednesday, looking at the rain, I mean, it's just like, you know, tenth of an inch, two tenths of an inch, half an inch, half an inch, two tenths of an inch, half an inch. It's just like, it's not going to stop. Hey, that's good. Soak it up. Yep, we need it. We definitely need it. Relative, sure. yeah, sky cover 100%, relative humidity 100%, precipitation potential high 90s. <laughs> so y'all are about as moist as you can be. Yeah, pretty much. We will be fully saturated. <laughs> Good. Which is how we should always be anyways. Live life Agreed. fully saturated. <laughs> Completely random, but we love it. Well, another great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.